0: Seus corações, eu não sei eu Okay, we're back in the episode with Covenant for Mark E. Moore and his Core 52. Now we're discussing the reflections on his Chapter 4 with Covenant. So there's a lot of things in that. Stop the music there for a second. There's a lot of things in that chapter that I, I do like and that some that I am confused by and i'll start with the uh aspect of uh his question which is how can i become a part of what god is doing in this world so i think that his discussion on covenant in this chapter is it has uh some value in it but he he starts it off in a different way than i would have expected now that's not a i don't think he's wrong necessarily for doing that But when he says, how can I become a part of what God is doing in this world? Uh, it just kind of assumes that we all know what God is doing in this world and we never hear that question answered. So, um, he, I think he tries to address it in the first paragraph when he talks about Jesus being the most influential person in history. And then he also kind of complicates things for me here. Um, he says that uh, Abraham, who became the father of both Judaism and Islam, uh, we know that from our current uh, status in the world, our current or observation in the world, that people believe that Abraham is the founder of Islam, uh, and so. But it's it would be interest. It's interesting to me why he would have said uh th- this already in this context saying that uh, many people who look to the uh him as their father of their faith i really don't look to abraham as the the father of uh my faith i f- still believe that i look to jesus as the father of our faith um and so i don't think that there was an anticipation biblically that we know of that speaks of Islam as being, uh, that didn't happen until 600 years, six, seven centuries after Jesus. Uh, So this is maybe with uh, Abraham uh, being, trying to figure out when he lived was, there's estimations around 2000 BC. Some are more specific about 1882 this is interesting to me that that we would look forward to islam uh, after 20, i mean there you know that's a lot of, that's a lot of time um that's that's 2324 centuries ahead that we're we're talking about here so i'm interested i'm i'm really curious as to why he went s- straight into that he could have just basically said that um there's i don't know in other words i don't understand why we why we're involving uh islam in this so much it's not it's not unhelpful but it's um curious so he goes on to say as in genesis 15 6 abraham uh, believed the lord and counted and and he counted it to him as righteousness he says this mantra became the refrain of abraham's biography these are different different words for me that uh, throw me. So Marky e. Moore is becoming someone who is different uh, for me to listen to. Um, I haven't heard too many people refer to uh, um, people in Scripture this way that much. Uh, even even in the many commentaries I have over three hundred commentaries that. I really haven't heard anybody speak this way. Not that this is a big problem f- for me, but it's 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 throwing uh, throwing my focus off as to what he's talking about, why he's using these kinds of language. So he says, Abraham is the model of faith for every follower of the monotheistic faiths. Yeah, on the surface, that's true. But again, I think Jesus is the model of faith for Christians or should be. Um and so he says a synopsis of his story Abraham's story shows why and then he says God called Abram from ancient Iraq so again you go straight to modern um language so Iraq is Ur would have been uh, in the Mesopotamian fertile valley back in the uh time of Abraham but he uh, locates that already as Iraq so to me, if you are if you're wanting a if you're wanting a concise understanding of covenant, he seems to um, abandon that and, and and draws you into a you don't need to know these kinds of things in the Bible kind of thing because Abraham is called out of Ur of the Chaldeans, and that's different than Iraq. Um, and so he says, because Abraham trusted God, he left Mesopotamia. That's true. And immigrated to Israel immigrated is another word. That's interesting to me. I just, so I just don't know why it's not simple to me. I would have talked about, if I'm going to talk about Abraham and the covenant and him moving, he, he went to the land of Canaan. He didn't go to Israel. Israel didn't exist when Abraham, um, was alive because Jacob is, his name is the one that's changed to Israel. Abraham went to Canaan and it wasn't a land that was empty. There were, there were cultures and peoples there. So this is, this is why this is difficult, uh, for me to process and reflect on. He says, and there wasn't much to go on. Furthermore, Abram already in his nineties had neither biological offspring nor a single square foot of real estate. Yet God promised to make Abraham's descendants a great nation. Abram believed God that would uh, do this. Eventually, and against all odds, God fulfilled his promise to Abraham, whose son Isaac had a couple of kids who had a gaggle that became a horde so he likes the popular language and so it's difficult because i'm i'm more interested in what covenant is and we we don't get to that yet so we're talking about how can i become a part of what god's doing in this world i'm really confused at this point as to why we're talking about some of these things because covenant in its in its abstract self i need to know what covenant means before we can talk about this and i need to know what god is doing in the world before you go into these um, what I would think are digressions about covenant and Abraham and faith and so forth. So here he says, a golden strand, a promise runs through, runs the length of Abraham's biography. That's important today because Christians grasp the other end of that golden strand when we put our faith in Jesus. Okay, I understand that. He says, the promise is Uh, In the Bible, it's called a covenant, is a legally binding agreement. The concept of covenant undergirds virtually every relationship God ever had with any human. Um, So it's essential to understand if you intend to have a working relationship with God. Really interesting way to put something. Um, It it just makes God sound um, commercial and trivial. It's really weird for me. Um, so here we have this paragraph. Okay. He's, he says, our faith in Jesus, our connection to the spirit, our belonging in the body of Christ are all contingent on a covenant. Yes. Okay. So I like this idea, what he says here, here's how it works and how it's always worked with God. A covenant or Testament. Okay. Um, is basically an agreement between two parties among the ancients was a kind of contract known as a suzerain. Uh, suz- I don't know how to pronounce that word. S u z e r a i n. Suzerain, <clears throat> Su- suzerian. I don't know. The rules were simple. Uh, the the um, contract he says is about the idea of. Uh, the greater of two part. The rules were simple. The greater of two parties established the conditions. Okay, I like. I want to know more about that. The conditions specified the rewards if the contract was kept and the punishment, if it was broken. And uh, number three, the the covenant was typically ratified by a blood sacrifice. So here I'm now. I'm thinking. Okay, here we are in Genesis, fifteen, and so he says that's precisely what God did with Abraham in Genesis fifteen seven. To 21. So I like that um, about the idea of the picture where God told Abraham to get the uh, to get the um sacrifice, and that at the end of that you're going to have uh a fire passing through the sacrifice. Okay, so let's go to Genesis 15 verse 12, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram and behold, a dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners on a land that's not theirs, be, be slaves. They'll be afflicted for four centuries, 400 years or more, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. Okay. And then he says, when the sun had gone down in verse 17, a smoking firepot. And a flaming torch passed between these pieces. so on the day the Lord made a, on that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, to your offspring I give this land." And then he describes the nature of the land uh, the people that are in it okay That's where I thought that uh, Marky Moore would have gone into discussing this idea of covenant. Uh, with Abraham. I would have thought that he would have drawn out that picture for us Um, because he does it a little bit, uh, but this is what he says. that This appears to be a symbol that the fate of the animal could become the fate of the one who broke the agreement. But you see in Genesis 15 that Abraham didn't walk through. This is key. Abraham didn't walk through the two uh, parts of the blood sacrifice. The animal, the the carcass that was sacrificed was not, Abraham didn't walk through it. So he has that. And then he has to make a change in, in his major covenants in the Bible table. So he says the two most important covenants, uh, make up the old and new Testament. So the old and new Testament, the old and new covenant, so he doesn't describe what that is um that's interesting to me uh we're talking about covenant and covenant isn't a small thing in the Bible so I'm very curious as to why he doesn't talk about these kinds of things perhaps because he thinks it's just too laborious or too long to to create this this book but who this is difficult for me because as a someone who enjoys teaching all of these things and not every detail uh, there's no way to give every detail and it would be more of a thesis people could write entire books on just covenant uh, let, let alone just um, a chapter which is basically a page and a half you have these ideas he goes into okay Moses Ten Commandment Covenant and he says the new covenant. That's those are the two most important covenants. Uh, yeah, there's there. I don't know if they're the m- most important. They're they're all equally important because they all play their role in Jesus. David's uh, the Davidic covenant is a covenant with David that he his line will secure the sovereignty of Israel. He will have sovereignty. Uh, he will have a king from his line to be the one that has sovereignty over uh, over Israel, over the house of Jacob, over um, Abraham's descendants. So here you have in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 30 and uh, following, you have the angel Gabriel telling Mary and, and fulfilling that promise. And so that's a big deal. Uh, He will be given the uh, throne of his father, David, or his ancestor, David. That's a covenant. That's that comes up in the first part of Luke. Uh, That comes up in um, Matthew. He doesn't talk about it. So he has this table here. I'm not going to go into the table. I can probably uh, print this out for anybody who wants it or send it. And it's really quick. And this is why this is challenging, I think, for a lot of people. Um, and so he goes on into, um, there's been a bloody tension between Ishmael's descendants and, um, Abraham's descendants for a long time. Well, th- there's probably very true in the sense that, uh, whether you had different nations from Ishmael's, uh, line and so forth, but they're not known as Islamic so that's that's a a problem I have with his his and then he says why does all this matter? Well, first I'm going to go to the key points and then I'm going to go back to why does all this matter. His key points are Abraham's trust or faith in God is the model of fidelity for Christians today. I don't I don't discard Abraham at all, but I think that Jesus is the fulfiller of it and there's some reason we're called christians and not abramites or yeah okay number two covenant is an agreement between two parties that includes conditions terms consequences that's an easy one and number three every previous covenant in the bible is fulfilled by jesus um yeah i don't know I, i haven't thought about that so much um, there's other covenants that aren't mentioned that he does not mention. There's a covenant of blessing and cursing that I know that Jesus will take care of in a sense for Israel because he fulfills Israel's uh, sinful uh, requirement kind of thing. with you. The covenant of 10, the addendum to the 10 commandment covenant is the covenant of blessing and cursing in Deuteronomy 28 through 30. So you have these uh key points where if israel does not keep the ten commandment covenant as a nation uh, then god will he's not going to immediately expel them but he will eventually expel them from the promised land because of their disobedience to the covenant so this is so interesting that he goes there so why does all this matter he says, because we're in a covenantal relationship with God. Well, you don't really know that from who's reading it. Um, and so he says, God calls us to be part of the nation, a heritage of people. We call it church, but it's bigger than that. We're members of a global enterprise, a kingdom that spans every time zone in all eras. The lineage of this kingdom goes back to our father, Abraham, uh, whom we follow as an example of faith. So I think that he's trying to answer his question uh, about how, the question that we had in the beginning, how can I become a part of what God is doing in this world? But he doesn't really talk about how to do that. He, he talks about the, we just, he just assumes that we are. So that's why I have the contention with the question. So he sa- he explains it kind of nice, but it's, there's more we than me in our adventure with Jesus. When we lose oversight of when we lose sight of the covenant, our discipleship can easily deteriorate into rules we keep for God. And so he goes on to something different than what I anticipated. Uh, he says we it can easily deteriorate into rules we keep for God rather than responsibilities we fulfill. It's very wordy. Very. There's a lot of implied in these, thing these statements. And so he he goes on to uh, five things that. Jesus fulfills all the previous covenants about Adam's covenant and filling the Adamic covenant, which is he said was about abstaining from a tree. Um, one tree. So Jesus fulfills that it's, it's interesting. I would like to see more on the connections, how he fulfills that, not just he does it. Uh, this is, um, it goes on into Noah. Okay. Noah's Ark. They talks about baptism which corresponds to this. He doesn't really talk about that too much uh, at all. Uh, Abraham was asked to sacrifice uh, Isaac. uh, This pointed forward to Jesus. Yes, it does. Uh, Inherent to David's covenant uh, is the promise that his heir will always sit on the throne. Quoting David's own words, Jesus said in Matthew 22, 22, verse 44, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand it's kind of important to go into some of these things in in depth so i would really um, it it feels like some of these chapters to me are they're not disciple making type of uh, chapters they're more uh, highly introductory to a topic not let's talk about these things uh, and so, uh, the last thing he says the night before Jesus died was instituted Lord's supper. So then he talks about that aspect because that's the new covenant, but, uh, he says the Passover lamb was a foreshadowing of the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And there's a lot to that. So, uh, all of these things, he says, here's a simple exercise that could transform your vision of practice and faith. I do kind of like this. Every time you read the word faith in the Bible. Replace it with the word faithful. This will make the passage clear almost every time. For example, let's go back and reword this week's core verse. Abraham was, or Abram was faithful to the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. So he says, or think in terms of a husband and wife. If a husband says, I have faith in my wife, it's a compliment. If he says, I'm faithful to my wife, it's a commitment. That's modern language, of course. But, um, really interesting ways of just easily going. I mean, it's like, oh, those are cute. Yeah, those are cute. All these are cute little verses and things. Uh, For me personally, uh, they're not satisfying at all. And so the simple exercise about saying the word faithful instead of the word faith is a major step. There's a reason why certain translators don't translate the word faithful all the time When you hear the word faith, so we need to go into that. And this podcast is not a set up. This these episodes rather are not set up for explanations of why I have all of these disagreements or these different opinions. So here we go. Um, There's a lot in, in in the idea of covenant that needs to be examined, and I. I like the fact that we're talking about it and I like, the fact that it's, you know, being introduced, I, I just would, uh, think that there would be something more poignant, more image provoking, or, uh, maybe more impactful. Maybe it's impactful for you. That's good. Uh, but I would like to hear more about how, what he said in that first part, you know, how can I become a part of what God is doing in this world? Well, in order to become a part of what God is doing, we don't just assume that we're a part of what God is doing. We we have to know what God is doing, and we have to know who God is and why he is God. And what he is doing is he's redeeming the world. Okay, so the, the new covenant is an is a redemptive in nature just like the old covenant was actually redemptive in a different way but it's we have a redemptive covenant where we are uh, being uh, saved or rescued from our misunderstanding and uh, rebellion against the real god of the world so we have to become a part of that by learning. And um, John chapter six, let me go to that in our Bibles. And and I want to read John chapter six, where Jesus is beginning to, he's already fed the 5,000. He says, the Jews grumbled in verse 41 about him because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. In other words, he's the manna. And so it's kind of a play here because people are manna the word for manna is what is it so it because it's like what is this so it's interesting that jesus is i'm the what is it that came from heaven and so they said is this not jesus the son of joseph whose father and mother we know how does he now say i've come down from heaven so they have they don't understand who he is Uh, Jesus answered him, don't grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. Well, what does that mean? He says, I'll raise him up at the last day. If that happens, verse 45, he qualifies it, or he explains it is written in the prophets. uh, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me. So the the idea is, is that, well, he's talking to Jewish people who, who, who have obviously said to themselves all of their lives, they hear and learn from the father. But Jesus is saying, no, you haven't. Uh, So we have to understand what he means by that. Jesus flips most things on its head and we have to understand how, to see or understand God through Jesus. And then we can do, uh, in essence, what God has, that's how we become a part of what God is doing in the world is through Jesus, what he did and what he, uh, understands and has taught God to be. So that's one of those things about covenant that I, that's why I'm saying that Jesus is the I'm not following Abraham in the sense that Abraham explains all about God. Um, Jesus does, not Abraham. In fact, Moses would have given more revelation as to the nature of God. And um, Moses is, is, yeah, you and I think you understand. So this is why this is a little bit challenging and and I could, we could go on and on. Um, but these are the reflections for, uh, chapter four on covenant. And I've been playing if, if you ask, uh, what is that strange music? It's, uh, it's from, um, it's, it's from Israel and from the middle East. And you hear the ancient style of music, ancient uh, types of instruments being used. So with that, thanks for listening. And we'll look forward to the next chapter in uh, Core 52, which is holiness. Thanks for listening again.